0: I'd like to welcome everyone to Faith Reformed Baptist Church, and uh, we'll be te- so we'll be uh, picking up where we loft- left off next week in the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter nine. I apologize for the uh, for the coolness in here. Every time we think we have it fixed, we we discover that we don't, and so it is what it is. <clears throat> Let's turn our hearts to the Lord and try not to. Uh, Have that distract us, okay? The doctrine that we looked at next week had to do with Satan being at work in this world and leading as many people that he is able to deceive away from God to lead as many souls as possible into the paths of destruction, ultimately to their eternal doom. That is what the devil designs to do. That is what Satan wants to do. And I said to consider the one verse in Ephesians chapter 6 that we should link this to the New Testament. Make sure that this apocalyptic vision doesn't take us away from the idea that this is just like any other book in the New Testament. With the exception that this is revealing the truth of the New Testament and visions in an apocalyptic way. So in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 we read similar teaching this way. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And that's where we are looking at chapter 9, where we see that uh, Satan has been given a key to open a pit, and out of that pit comes great billows of smoke, and then out of that smoke comes a great swarm of locusts. And the locusts been given the power to sting like store all who are not God's people, everyone who does not have the seal of God on them. So with that, we're not going to go through our regular review. We will go into uh, the part where we did not cover last week. But I would like to say a few things so that we can remember where we're at. God had previously done in these visions and in the uh the blowing of the trumpets, such as in the breaking of the seals, you have the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The first, sev- or first four trumpets were grouped together, saying how God has removed all things that men depend upon. We have a way of building a system that we depend upon. We are quite a, a unique creation, are we not? We were made in the image of God, even though our image has been defaced by sin. But we are quite clever, aren't we? And as we learned yesterday in the men's meeting, we are quite taken with ourselves. We have uh, we have pride like built right into every part of us. And uh, usually around Christmas time and Thanksgiving time, and time in which our family likes to get together, we we make treats, and these treats are usually, almost always, sugar, sugar in different forms. You make brownies, you make fudge, you make hard candy, you make uh, peanut brittle. It's always just sugar. When it comes to the sinful nature of man, we have a variety of sin, but it's almost always made of pride and self-preservation. Pride and self-preservation. Now you can make it into this and you can make it into that. You can have all kinds of sin, but when you boil it all down, it's just pride and self-preservation. And so God has said in these trumpets, you cannot depend on what you can do and what you think you can do. And God has taken away from them all the things they thought would keep them safe. All the normal things. All of our high-minded thinking. And he says after those four trumpets, he introduces the next three calling them each a great woe upon mankind, a great woe upon those who dwell upon the earth. Now, we need to remember that the visions started off with the vision of the church on the earth. And then we had a vision of the throne of God up in heaven. And now we have a vision of those that dwell on the earth, the unbelievers. This is that view where Satan is given a key. And this is where we've left off. Remember how the fallen angel was identified as Satan. We also uh, looked at the type of things that, um, that he was described as a human being. We read from Isaiah chapter 14, and if you don't mind, I would like to just read that again, where Satan is described as someone who through pride and arrogance thought he could lift himself up above God. And he says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou, thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mountain of the congregation and in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And yea, thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. And so we can see that there's a declaration here that Satan himself is made of I will do this and I will do that. It implies to us that he is a vic- not a victim. He is the result of a great deal of pride, a great deal of self-preservation, a great deal of doing anything that it takes to take down his God. But he will be thrown into the pit. Because the designs of Satan is like Satan digging a pit for his enemy. And we know what that is like in the Scriptures, don't we? We have been told repeatedly in the Proverbs and in the Psalms and in other places where if the wicked would dig a pit, he himself will fall into it. And now we have a vision of Satan ascending up out of the pit. But it says here, even though his heart says, I will ascend above the the throne of God, He will be taken down into the pit. And so with that, let's continue on. Um, We looked at the different things that were seen in this vision. In Revelation chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, we saw how he was given a key. Now it is significant for us to remember that the smoke came out of the pit, and the sun was darkened. Now this is an interesting word, darkened. Uh, it means not pitch black, but it means something that is obscured. Now, I can use several tools in studying the scriptures, and many times uh, I want to make sure that you have those tools too. Because I can say, I wonder how many times this is taught in the New Testament. And so I just go to my word process, I go to my, go to my computer, you know, crank up my e and I say, type in the word darkened, And then I take a look and how many times does this appear in the New Testament. What does the Greek word say compared in the Strong's Concordance? You can do this. If you don't know how to do it, you ask one of your elders. They can show you how to do it. And you can see that this particular idea, that something is darkened, appears more than 50 times. More than 50 times in the New Testament. Now I have a habit of saying to myself, if it's repeated over and over again in the Bible, this is something that I should say, Maybe this is important. And I begin to prioritize things. And if something is mentioned hundreds of times, oh my goodness, this must be really important. If something is mentioned one or two times, it may be important, but perhaps I should put other things in priority above it in my understanding. And so I would say this. In the bulk of the overwhelming majority of the times when the word darkened is mentioned, it's mentioned in such a way that it is metaphorical, where it is implying that something has been darkened in order to obscure the light. Now, you will find this word used where, yes, it went, it it became darkened at night. And, and it was just dark because the sun went down. But most of the time, it's used to describe a world that's being fooled and being deceived by Satan. Most of the time, it's used metaphorically. And so let's remember that when we are in an apocalyptic vision and we have smoke arising from a pit, a pit that perhaps we would like to think that God keeps him in that pit, but I would like to consider the fact that Satan wants us in the pit. Mm. Satan wants us to follow what he has designed. Mm. And Satan himself cannot escape from that pit. And only God can allow him to come from that pit, and only God can say, I will permit you. It was given to him. He was given a key. He was permitted and then commanded him. It was commanded, they cannot kill. It was commanded. All these things are by the hand of God. And so we see the first of the three woes. The first of the three woes is the fifth trumpet, by the way. And that God has now allowed us to see that out of the smoke, are coming locusts. And please take note of that. What came out of the pit was smoke. But locusts came out of the smoke. Smoke came out of the pit. I mean, say it properly this time. Smoke came out of the pit, but the locusts came out of the smoke. You say, well, why is that important? Well, for one thing, we'd like to think that these demons live in that pit. But John is trying to show us truth through an image. Smoke comes up, obscuring what is light making the people of the earth unaware and unable to see the truth, unable to understand what is true. And from that obscurity, there are Satan's minions there to take advantage of it, to plague mankind, to torture them. Now, remember how they were not permitted to eat the green grass, to damage the trees. In other words, the image is like this. Locusts, that's what they would normally want. The demons of hell would love to have God's people. The green thing. But no, we have the seal of God in our foreheads. We have, shall I say it, the mark of God. Not the mark of the beast. The mark of Christ. We have that on us. Now that distinguishes us, doesn't it? Even the devil knows he cannot. But he may not be able to see. And so he brings darkness upon everyone. But what do we have? We have eyes to see. We have a Savior that's opened our ears. A Savior that's opened our eyes. The light that shined into darkness. And we who used to be darkness are now light. Amen. And so we have this image before us. They can harm, that is, The the locusts can harm the unbeliever, but they cannot harm us. So, Joel Beakey gave a good explanation about the idea that, that these locusts can only do this during five months. And it is something that I learned from listening to him and reading some of his materials, that a normal growing season is five months, and the average lifespan of a locust is five months. And so when it comes to these locusts tormenting unbelievers, I would say that I would agree with Him in that God has given them permission and a key to come out and torment unbelievers for all their lives. From the time that they breathe their first to the time that they breathe their last, they are the fodder of locusts. They are being tormented by Satan. So, we're looking at that, That is where we're at. Before I go on to the new material, I would like to say this, that the world is full of fear. It truly is. Everyone. I mean, everyone is just living without hope at all. Now, maybe things have been changed in this generation, but I'm sure that fear gets worse in other times of history. I'm sure those that lived under the hard hand of Genghis Khan or under the hard hand of, uh, of Napoleon or, or other leaders that brought uh, war and devastation, uh, it may seem like they have had very dark times. And the world lived through a very dark time of history called the Dark Ages, of which lasted approximately 1,250 years. You may want to keep that in mind. I'm just saying. You know, that's approximately how long it lived. I'm not going to say. I'm not, I'm not a prophet Okay, but I am a preacher and I will state facts. I'm just happening saying that many things have caused the hearts of men to fail. There are going to be hurricanes and floods, tornadoes, things that we live through, maybe even the flu. That might even bring people to their knees. If you're afraid, cancer, HIV, wars, biochemical warfare, drugs, I can go on and on about what brings fear into the hearts of people. But I know this. Though Satan has been given a key, and he has permission to do some things, we are not in that list. God has given us a defense against this. And what is that defense? The truth. The truth. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We are creatures of light. We've been given an understanding so that we may stand for our faith, stand for our God in this present evil world. And this is an important concept. You see, creatures like us, we want to be the way other Christians in the past have been, do we not? When we think of Abraham, the things that I want you to think about when you think of Abraham is that he was considered what? A friend of God. A friend of God who walked with God. He trusted God. He believes God. That is our lot. That is who we are. We are God's friend. We walk with God. And this is where we want to say that we do not have to fear. But the world is living in fear. So now we're beginning the new material, verse number 7. In the appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. And on their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces. Their hair was like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like the breastplates of iron. And the noise of their wings were like the noise of many chariots and horses and rushing into battle. And the description of the locusts are here very clearly seen. Very few times in the Apocalypse do you have such details about such a plague. Many times they're kind of uh, very broad pictures, very broad pictures with very broad feelings about them. See, a lot of times people would want to say, oh, this little detail here means this, and this little detail means that. All I can really see here as far as the broad picture is this. This is a very fearful thing, is it not? This is the frightening things. These are demonic looking things. But the very fact that we have the detail causes me to think about it. Why has John provided such great detail about these creatures that can only harm unbelievers? Well, I would say this. If I saw one of these creatures, I would, I would be, it would be like a sci-fi movie or something. It would be absolutely amazing. However, these visions are designed to teach us something about what these creatures have been permitted to do. They have been given a key to do certain things. And therefore, the very idea that they have been given crowns on their head. Or that they've been given power and grace. They have the power of horses. They can move. They, can, they, can, they have grace in their movement. They have authority. They've been given permission to do certain things. They have intelligence. The very face of a man says, Well, this is a reasonable creature. This is the man who knows how to talk with me, how to reason with me. They may even have the appearance of, of being feminine or shall we say, like a woman's hair or enticing, or at least beautiful, but while at the same time as being feminine or enticing or intelligent, they are at the very same time ferocious. They are fearful. They have the teeth of lions. This is not a creature that you can say to yourself, I don't know if I want to cross this creature. I don't know if I want to oppose this creature. Because you see, the creature has already been described as being like a horde of locusts. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. But each one of them individually, if you had locusts come into your yard, you could go out there and just start stepping on them. Step, step, step. Not these. Each and every single one of them cannot be defeated by you. Every one of them is unstoppable by you. That is, by the unbeliever, by the human being that they are opposing. They have within them the ability to defend themselves. They have armored protection ready for battle. They are ready to stand in the court systems and defend themselves. They are ready to stand next to your neighbor and say, this is the way things ought to be. They are ready to defend their positions. They have leadership positions. They have authority to do things. And when they sting, they sting with fire. Now, what do they do? Do they sting the human body? Is it only going to be physically uncomfortable? Well, I say this, Satan is out to damn and to destroy the souls of men. And the torture that is going to be levied upon creatures of this world without faith in Christ is torture of soul and of mind and of spirit. Mm -hmm. These are the things that's going to happen as a result of the minions that follow Satan and at his command, because he has been given permission to do this. The souls and the hearts of men will be tried. Tried until they don't want to even live anymore. This is the type of world that we will have at this time. And so I want to ask you, what kind of world are you living in right now? Right now, are you going to wait for a pit to open up to see with your eyes physical smoke that blots out the physical sun and watch for these creatures to come out physically before you believe that this is true? Or will you understand that metaphorically that which blots out the sun are things that are lies and falsehoods, obscuring the truth. And they have in their sights, they design to torture and to harm and to eventually damn the souls of men. All people who do not have faith in Christ, their goal is to keep them on their way, where? To the pit from where they came from. To the pit from which Satan had dug. They will fall. They want them to fall into that pit. Now, in verse number 10, we read this. They have tails that sting like scorpions, and the power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. What an interesting reiteration. How many times do we have to read that their power is in their tails? And people say, well, that's got to be an Apache helicopter. <laughs> See? Don't be sidetracked. Don't be sidetracked. I've read an interesting commentary by John Gill, and he happens to had a memory that says, you know, this reminds me of something I read by the prophet Isaiah. And then in his commentary, he quotes Isaiah when he was addressing the sin of Israel and how God came and said, this is how I'm going to judge you. And let me read those three verses out of Isaiah chapter 9. And then you listen and see what God speaks to you about. So the Lord cut off from Israel head and tail. Palm branch and reed in one day. So I don't even know what that means. When God comes to judge a country, he is saying this, I will cut off the leader and the teacher. Well, how do you know that means that? Just be patient. He is saying, head and tail, palm and reed. You know what a palm branch, it has a stem that holds the palm branch itself. The palm is up here, the reed's here. It's going to cut off. The Lord is saying, that which can be easily seen from a distance, that which you may even use to fan yourself, that's going to be cut off. And the reed that holds it up. That's the same thing as saying, cutting off the head and the tail. Verse number 15 of Isaiah chapter 9. The elder and the honored man is the head. And the prophet who teaches lies is the tail. And so, God is saying, when I judge a nation, when I judge a people, when I judge those who have sinned against me, I'm going to take their leaders as though they had crowns of gold. Remember, that's what these uh, locusts have. And their intelligence of leading them. And what do they do? They lead them by lies. Where do these lies come from? They have teachers that teach them. And so God is going to cut off the head and the tail. And then he goes on to say this. For those who guide this people, the leaders, have been leading them astray. And those who are guided by them are swallowed up. Mm. The men of the earth who do not believe in Jesus Christ are swallowed up. Mm. Because they are taught lies. Mm. Do we see the smoke now? Mm. Do we see the obscuring of the truth now? Do we see the obscuring of how the pit is opened and smoke comes up and the sun is darkened and these creatures come and they come with authority and with power and they teach? Now, I would say this. If Satan had his way, and it seems that he does, but remember, God has given him a key And that key only does what God designs it to open. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: He can only do what God permits him. But if Satan had his way, the doctrine of devils would mold the minds of our children. He would. Satan wants us, and he wants our children. But remember that Satan is a slave to providence. Now, I didn't make that phrase up. That's a quote from Joel Beakey from one of his sermons. Satan is a slave to providence, and I agree with that. He is. I'll say this. Even though the world lives in darkness and the prince of the power of the air is in control of what's being said, of what's being believed, of what's being taught, not God's people, we have the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a supernatural book, a book that's been given to us by a great Power that has abounded toward us in a great achievement of how we can still know the truth living in a darkened world. Chapter 9, verse 11. They have a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit, and his name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and his Greek name is Apollyon. Now, both Hebrew means Uh, the Hebrew and the uh, Greek name, they both mean destroyer. Destroyer. Now before we go too far, I would like to read two verses from chapter 11 to you. With the idea of this verse in mind, so listen, I'm going to read verse 11 again to you. They have a king over them And the angel of the bottomless pit, and his name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and his Greek name is Apollyon. It means destroyer. But in chapter 11, verse 17 and 18, we read this. And I want to just paraphrase it for you. We give thanks to you, O Lord God Almighty, who is was, who you have taken the great power and begun to reign. The nations raised, and your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged for rewarding your servants and the prophets, and the saints, who fear your name, both small and great, for, and this is what they're praising God for, this is what they want us to understand, they're praising God for this, for destroying the destroyers of the world. So we see that the time when Christ comes back, all that Satan has been given to do, Christ will destroy the destroyer. He who dug the pit will fall into his own pit. Now here are my practical applications. I have two of them. Number one, Satan has a strategy to deceive the world by obscuring the truth. That's one. That's an easy one to get from that, isn't there? Even though if you listen to the radio and to the TV, it may not sound as though this is the doctrine that's really being taught today, is it? But I'm telling you that the world is in darkness, and the light is the truth of the Gospel. And so Satan has this plan to obscure the truth lies. The second one, we can rest assured in the sovereign power and holiness of God to bring about his perfect plan of salvation to save the souls of repentant sinners. Now, that one I may save till next week. Okay? I may save that one till next week. But this one I've got to say. Satan is what the scripture has called, in a way, the God of this world. By observation, and by many scriptures, we can deduce this. Now, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. i like to read them to you. And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you walked once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience. Now, does it take much imagination for you to understand that verse in the light of Revelation chapter 9. Among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath as the rest of mankind. And so we can see that the world who does not believe in God who does not believe in Christ, they live in the passion of their flesh because when they hear lies, they have something within them that says, hey, I, that kind of rings a bell with me. I have this sympathetic vibration with it. It's kind of like, I have a gut feeling about it. You know why? Because the hearts of men are ruled by pride and self-preservation. And Satan whispers to their mind, this is how you can rise above the throne of God. This is how you can ascend. This is what I know, that God should not be trusted in these things. Because you see, from the very beginning, when Adam fell, he fell because Satan whispered in his ear, Hath God truly said this? God knows that in the day that you eat thereof, you will be like God's. And so the first thing that people who do not like God, who have their very hearts made from pride, hear the suggestion that God should not be trusted in order to understand what's really going on. Then they give ear to the, to the devil. They give ear to the lies. They think they live in light when they're in darkness. They're listening To the creatures who have crowns of gold in their head, faces of intelligence as alluring as beautiful women, but their hearts will be stung with a venom that will cause them torment all their days. They will be tormented in heart and spirit all their days. They won't even love life at all. How many times do young people say, well, if this is all there is, what is there to living? Why do I even want to live? But death is not your choice. God has an appointment for each man's death. God will decide when men die. God has that in his, own, in his own power. But they will torture people. Now, when it comes to the lies of Satan, I would say that the greatest form of lies that will destroy this world and that come against the Church of Christ is purely false doctrine. Now, I know that there's a lot of lies in this world. I know that governments are corrupt. I know that politicians, you know, number one, uh, they lie about this, they lie about that. The only thing we don't, we're not sure about, is what they're lying about. That's the only confusing part. But you see, just because the whole world has its own form of lies, the greatest lie is the lie about God and his gospel. That's the greatest lie. That's the truth. That's the light that it obscures. That's the smoke that comes up and covers up the lies of Satan. And so I want to, uh, I I did some research this week, and I read some things by by a guy, and I looked at what he said. His name is uh, Tim uh, Callies. He's an elder of a church up in Toronto. I looked at his site, and I I thought he was okay. But what I really liked is what he said. And he said this about false doctrine. Because if you don't, you know, if you understand the word doctrine, all it means is this is, is a teaching you can have the doctrine of governments. or you can have the doctrine of scriptures. And so when it comes to the teachings, I would say that false doctrine has certain characteristics to it. But generally, any kind of doctrine, when you want to examine it, is it good or is it bad, is it true or is it false, is this. What, well, what is the teaching? What kind of content does it have? Where did it come from? Did it come from men or did it come from God? What is its origin? Did it come from the scriptures? Does it have any authority to it? Is it consistent? What kind of quality is in it? What benefit? What does it value? Mm-hmm. And what is our responsibility toward it? Mm-hmm. And so let's kind of take a look at false doctrine in the light of those points. Very quickly, it's not going to take long. Where does a false doctrine come from? I can tell you that it originates with man. Perhaps with men, with a locust whispering in their ear, in their ear. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that if doctrine is true biblically true doctrine it'll come from the book it'll come from the spirit of god in this book it'll come from god the original source is from god but false doctrine remember there's god and then there's everything else if the doctrine comes from god you can trust it but if it comes from anything else it cannot be trusted and so we say where does it come from where does it originate what does it say? If it comes from God, from the scriptures, then we can continue in our search. Does it agree with the consistency of scripture? In other words, it's not, you know, this particular doctor may say one thing, but if there are other scriptures that contradict it, it loses consistency. It loses consistency if it does not have the origin of God in the Scriptures and a consistency that the Scriptures say that it is from a uniform teaching of the Bible, then it will lack authority. It lacks the authority of the Scriptures. It becomes unsound. It is fatally flawed. Its quality is unhealthy. Its benefit is nullified. It becomes completely unprofitable. It has no value at all, but we do have a responsibility to it. The responsibility to reject it. That's our responsibility to false doctrine. We have an obligation to it, to reject it. Now, in true doctrine, true doctrine, doctrine that comes from the book, originates with God. It comes from the Bible. It agrees with the whole counsel of God, with all of the scriptures. It becomes biblically sound. It is spiritually healthy and is beneficial to us. And we do have a responsibility to it. We have a responsibility to hold it and to keep it. So false doctrine is going to confuse or confound or combine truth and error together. It will prevent godliness. It promotes sin. It will elevate ungodly leadership. It permits false teachers It will remove God's blessing from us and it awakens the churches, um, it it, it weakens the churches in times of difficulty. When we have a problem, when we have difficulties, it will make us weak with false doctrine. And the weakness will continue to hurt us even in our future endeavors. Now, compare that to true or good biblical doctrine. True biblical doctrine, or shall we say, the light as opposed to that which obscures. It will distinguish the truth from the error, not combine them. It will distinguish the two, one from the other. It separates the truth from error. It promotes the godliness of God's people. It promotes godliness. It prevents sin. It qualifies and enables godly leadership. Godly leadership. It protects the church against false teachers. It ensures us of God's blessings because we have the truth. It equips the church for times of difficulty and will strengthen us for our future endeavors. That is what false doctrine will do against us and what good biblical doctrine will do for us. Mm. And why did I teach that? Because the smoke that comes out of the pit is designed to blind those who do not understand God, who have not the knowledge of God in their hearts. It is all around us. It is everywhere. It is supported by the principality of the darkness of this world. It is by, it is, it is upheld by leaders in high places. It is upheld and it is taught. It is taught in churches and taught in schools. It is taught in universities. It is taught around the world to put the wrong leaders in place. And our children come home taught by doctrines of devils. Mm -hmm. There is a smoke that covers this world. Mm -hmm. There is an obscurity of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Mm -hmm. these things war against the hearts of unbelievers. Mm -hmm. And we live in Goshen, folks. We're the only place that has the light of God. We live in Goshen Mm -hmm. because God's light has shined out of darkness into your hearts. Mm -hmm. And you have the helmet of salvation. You have the shield of faith. You have the things that quench the fiery darts of the devil. You have the means of living in a dark world because God has given us truth. Truth. The light of God. The light of God. Just like there is a sun in the sky that shines on this earth. It is metaphorically true. We have been given the truth in Jesus Christ. And so let us be creatures of light. Let us walk in the light. Let us live for the glory of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we now thank you for your truth. We thank you for the doctrines of the scriptures. We thank you for giving us an understanding that we are in your grace. That we have been given righteousness that belonged to the Lord Jesus Christ that we might stand in your presence, justified from sin. And so, Father, we ask, please let the light of your gospel shine in this world. Please let your missionaries preach the gospel. Please let your churches be clear on what the gospel is. May Christ be lifted up. May your law be understood by sinners, that they are now condemned under their, uh, under under justice, under righteousness that they may turn their eyes upon Christ, that they might be saved from their sin, that they might walk in the truth and understand that their whole lives have been obscured by lies, by selfishness, by their own sin, listening to the lies of Satan. So, Father, we ask, be with your people this morning, and may Christ be blessed, and may your people honor you with all of our hearts. We pray this in our Lord's name. Amen.